Anyway, let's get right into our word because it kind of ties with what's going on here this morning. Uh, I'm going to wrap up our series this morning. We've been, during the summer, we've been looking at questions that Jesus asked. And remember, every question Jesus asked, every time Jesus spoke, there was something behind it. Uh, and, and these questions uh, are very, very thought-provoking. And so we've covered several questions. This morning we're going to answer, as I wrap it up, who touched me? Who touched me? Mark chapter 5, very familiar story. I'm just going to read one verse. I'll allude to the entire story, but I just for sake of time, I'm going to read one verse of Scripture. Verse 30 records these words. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power, some versions have virtue, that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes or who touched me? And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now, again, as we've looked at these thought-provoking questions that Jesus asked, there, listen, please understand, this is not an exhaustive list of the questions that Jesus asked. There are many, many more questions that Jesus asked in, in the Gospels than we actually have time. But what I did was, in this series, I hit on some of the major themes of questions that you and I would have to, right now. You know, we talked about, who am I? Why do you doubt? Uh, you still haven't found what I'm looking for. What are you looking for? Uh, again, all of these things are questions that are very relevant to us today. Uh, and, and what I want to say is I want to encourage you that when you struggle with an area of your life, we archive these sermons on our social media. We have uh, Facebook, we have YouTube. We also archive them on our website, uh, BethelCleburne.org. And it, so like, for instance, if you struggle with the identity of Jesus, go back and look at the sermon, Who Am I? If you struggle with doubt, go back to last week, Why Do You Doubt? Uh, all, of these script, all of these sermons are there. They're there to help you uh, uh, through your journey of faith. How many know that my journey doesn't stop today? You know, we, we live every day in the real world, and it's nice to have encouragement. So um, if you need a boost in faith, go back and look at some of these messages. Uh, but as we close out this morning, we're going to answer the question, who touched me? Now, let me just say this. This is a beautiful story. I, I love this story. It's a beautiful story of a desperate lady that needed a healing miracle. You've got to understand that in the beginning, Adam and Eve, God created this great place and everything that they could imagine. But when it was there, there was no sickness, there was, there was nothing. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the Bible says that creation came under a curse. How many know that? Creation came under a curse. And, and by the way, we're still living under the curse that was given in the Garden of Eden. So out of that, the consequence of that is that sickness, disease, death, all became norm in this world. In fact, it is a very present and troublesome reality for us today. How many know somebody that's sick, battling some type of sickness? Sure, it's a present reality for us. Well, where did it come from? It came because of the disobe disobedience of Adam and Eve. It is the consequence of their, uh, of their sin. We still live with that consequence. That's why we have man's inhumanity to man. That's why we have evil and wars and rumors of wars. It's because of their sin. And, and so uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about, uh, about sickness and disease and the reality that we have today. See, sickness has been called the great interrupter of life. Now, think about that for a minute. 
It's been called the great interrupter of life. And what I mean by that is that sickness usually comes, it usually shows up without any warning. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It, it usually happens when there, with, with very, very little warning. I mean, you can be healthy and you can be whole and you can be well. And you go to the doctor just for a routine exam. And then they look at you and say, I'm sorry, but you have this. You know, I, I, I often refer to Sheila. My picture of her, the last day I remember her being whole and well was on January the 2nd, 2012. I walked out of the house to go to a meeting. She's standing there at the, at the sink, uh, washing the dishes. I leave, and that's the last time I've seen my wife stand whole and healthy and well, 2012. It hits just like that. It is a great interrupter of life. You think about, what does sickness do? Sickness, it kills dreams, it dashes hopes, it steals health and vitality, and it has no regard for those, uh, for that individual or those who care for them. I was sharing in the early service, one of the, one of the saddest moments of my life, I guess, uh, among many, I've had a lot, of, a lot of sad things happen, but I remember a few years back, I, I did a funeral for a three-month-old baby, and, uh, it, and it may be a little longer than three years ago, but but I held that child, I was in the ER, I held that child in my arms. And in my mind, I'm thinking, God, you've done it before. I do believe. And it was such a painful experience. Some of you might remember the struggle. I actually contemplated leaving ministry over that situation there. And, and you have to understand, again, I've always been very transparent. I'm being honest with you. It wasn't that I had a crisis of faith, because I didn't. My faith was still strong. What it was was the pain. It hurt. Listen, I, I don't like to hurt. I, I, I don't like pain. I don't like any kind of pain. And, I, I, and it hurt me. It hurt me bad. And, and I didn't like that. I didn't like that feeling. And I almost left ministry over it. You know, the interesting thing was the family that helped talk me through that was the family that lost the child. It's just amazing how God worked all that, all that stuff out. You know, but it's an interrupter. It, it, it interrupts life. It interrupts dreams and hopes. And, and so this lady in our story had an interruption. I mean, don't you think about this, 12 years before our story, this lady no doubt was whole and well and functioning in society, but 12 years, again, 12 years earlier, sickness attached itself to this lady. And again, it's important that we understand sickness being a great interrupter of life. Sickness stole, her, stole from this lady. Again, prior to her being sick, she may have been known as uh, Mary, you know, you know, we're not told her name in Scripture, right? So, so prior to this, she, she might have been known as Mary. She could have been a Martha. She could have been an Abigail. She could have been a Petunia. I don't know. I mean, she, she, she had a name. But sickness came along, and it robbed her of her identity. Because from that point on, 12 years, from that point on, all she was known as is the woman with the issue of blood. It stole her identity. Again, uh, I mean, think about it. Once this lady would get up, you know, she would make plans for her day. She would make plans for her life. Uh, but her chronic illness brought her a lot of uncertainty. If you battle with a chronic illness, you understand what I'm talking about. Some days just getting out of bed is a chore. I mean, you can go to bed one night and, and have plans for the next day and have dreams of what you're going to accomplish, and, and then you wake up the next morning and your body is ravaged with pain or, or whatever the illness might be, and you can't get out of bed. What does it do? It steals your, plan, your plans. It, it takes away 
uh, you know what, and brings you much uncertainty. Again, for a lot of people, just getting out of bed on a normal day is hard, but then you add to that having a chronic illness, and it's a very difficult thing. See, not only that, but sickness robbed her of her social net. You got to understand, so, so when Sheila has, a, has an issue, I usually load her up and I take her to the hospital. We go downtown, Harris Hospital downtown, great hospital, renowned for great care. I take her to the hospital and they take care of her. This lady didn't have those options. She didn't have those options. When, uh, you know, this sickness robbed her of her social net, what that meant was sickness put a strain on her relationships. If you go back to Leviticus 15, it talks about uh, the issue of blood or the hemorrhaging or the flow of blood. And, and, it, and basically, she had to do the same thing that a leper did. She was considered unclean. And so that meant that she had to disassociate herself from friends and family and, and, and all those, the net that she would have that would help her. Listen, the church is here. If you're struggling through difficulty, you don't run from the church, you run to the church. Because this is the way God has designed for us to be able to lock arms and do life together and walk through the deep, dark valleys of life together. She didn't have that because now she's considered ceremonially unclean and they, cannot, they can't run to her aid. They can't take care of her. They can't embrace her. Sickness did all of that. Took away her social net. Sickness, her sickness has made her feel like she no longer fits in with everyone else. Like she had no place to belong. Not only that, but her sickness cost her everything. If you've ever had any type of medical issues, you know it's not cheap. I mean, you just go get an aspirin and it's $600. It's not cheap. She spent everything she had trying to get well. She spent all of her money and nothing changed. And I guess that's what Mark meant when he said, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So again, think about yourself. Think about this lady. 12 years she's suffered. 12 years her life has been interrupted by this thing called sickness and disease. Anybody relate to that? Anybody relate to the struggle of having a, 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 a chronic illness or maybe just a frequent illness? You know, that's what's going on with this lady. Listen, if you battle with chronic illness or care for someone who does, then you understand how unrelenting it is. Again, I shared this in early service. I did a men's conference in West Virginia a few years back, and they wanted me to share with them the story of my typical day of being a caregiver to my wife. You see, it takes about, for me at night, she, so she has morning routines and night routines, and I have to, again, I have to work through her, her, her routines. So in the morning, it takes me about an hour, hour and a half to get her out of bed, get her dressed, get her situated, get her breakfast, medicine, everything laid out, before I can come to the office, I come to the office, do, do what I need to do, take care of business. Then at lunch, I go home, I get her meal ready for lunch, get her situated, adjusted however I need to, come back to the office, finish up, go back home, and then I start my evening routine of cooking and cleaning and getting her ready for night. It takes me two hours to get her up and ready for bed every single day. And, and so I'm sharing with those guys, and they're just overwhelmed with the, the reality that there is no stopping. If you, if you are a caregiver, you understand that. It's unrelenting. You know, we, so what do we do? I mean, again, put yourself in this lady's position. I'm not sharing that for sad. I mean, I, I'm 12 years into it, so I'm not looking for, I'm just sharing the, the experience. So, so this lady, again, what happens when you deal with chronic illness, we become desperate. We become desperate. Uh, so what do we do? Sickness makes us do strange things. 
Anybody, again, think about that. We see any type of treatment. So, so people today, companies are very good at advertising. You know, back in the day, they would call it snake oil. You understand what I'm talking about? There, there, there are a lot of companies today that are very good about advertising a product that promises to alleviate particular situations. And so what do we do? You know, as someone who's desperate, we're willing. I mean, how many of us could go right now to our house open up the medicine cabinet, and find products in there that promise to help us, whether it be remove the pain, uh, take care of this, and, and we, we buy, we spend the money. Why? Because we're desperate. We're desperate. We want solutions. We, you know, again, I'm allergic to one thing, pain. I don't like pain. <laughs> I don't like any kind of pain. And I'm willing, to, I'm willing to try anything. I even had one of those things that make you hang upside down. Try to get rid of my back pain. Teeter, was it teeter? I tottered, <laughs> you know. I never could teeter, I always tottered. It was different, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, have, I have foot issues, you know, six years of jungle boots in the military. I have no support, so I have, I have issues in my feet. Two weeks ago, I went and got injections in my heels. And I'm, you know, I'm, I always battle foot pain. Very, very uncomfortable to be on my feet. And so what do I do? You ought to see, you know, my daughter, some of you that have been here a long time, remember my daughter when she graduated high school had 160 pairs of shoes. I'm like, you only have two feet. She was a shoe queen. I think little Emmy got the bug from her, though. She had a lot of shoes. You know what? Don't go look in my closet. Because just about every time I see a pair of shoes advertised, it says, heel pain, try these. Foot pain, try these. Plantar fasciitis, try these. And I buy shoes because I don't want to be in pain. That's what we do. When you're hurting, when you're battling with chronic illness, you try anything that might even sound like it's going to work. You know, and, and we just spend money. How many of you have purchased supplements or products or items that promise to alleviate your problem? Then if you do, then you understand how desperate we become with that chronic, that chronic pain or discomfort, whatever it is. The Bible said this lady tried everything. Everybody say everything. She tried everything to alleviate her suffering, and yet she only grew worse. Again, desperation makes us react somehow. This lady had heard about Jesus. Now, that's a sermon in and of itself right there because I think there are a lot of people in our world that are suffering and if the church would just talk about Jesus, you know, that, that would bring some comfort to them. But anyway, that's another sermon. Uh, no doubt there had been rumors about Jesus. They talked about this man who spoke like no one ever spoke before. In fact, that was, a, that was what they said about him, right? You know, I mean, the Bible says Jesus taught like no one who had ever taught before. And, and so she heard about this man, Jesus. No doubt she heard that Jesus was a miracle-working Jesus that he healed the sick, that he opened blind eyes and deaf ears and made the dumb to talk and, 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 and healed the lame and even fed people with McFish sandwiches on the seacoast of Galilee. She heard the stories. I mean, so, so in her mind, she's thinking, okay, so here's Jesus. He heals the sick and the infirm. So after exhausting all the other means, she determines, I've got to go see Jesus. Isn't that good? You see, here's the thing. Jesus... I love this. There are no coincidences. Jesus is en route to Jairus' house 
to heal his dying daughter. How fortunate for this lady that the route would take him near to where she would be. And she determined that she was going to go and touch the hem of his garment. And I love that about the story because she determined within herself that if I only just touched the hem. See, all she heard was stories about what Jesus had done. And so those stories translated into a measure of faith inside of her that said, if I could just touch his garment, I'd be whole. That's all it took. And so that's what she decided to do. Now, this woman believes in his power. I mean, who among us would say, look, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, then everything's going to be okay. This woman believes in the power of of Jesus and his healing authority. Where others have failed, she's thinking, you know what? Jesus can pull it off. Or at least she's desperate enough to give it another try, right? I mean, when you've exhausted everything else, might as well try Jesus, right? Isn't that the way we do it? You know, we try everything else, we buy every supplement marketed, we buy every type of shoe that's out there that says it will fix your heel pain or toe pain or your bunion or your corn or whatever those things are, (laughs) you know, do all this. And and then we say, you know what, I think I ought to pray about it. I sometimes wonder, why don't we pray first? Why don't we exhaust that first? And then if that doesn't work, (laughs) go try something else. Anyway, that's what she did. And and so I want you to picture this lady. I I was at an event last night and... uh, one of the guys I was sitting with, we were talking. He said, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I told him, and I've never watched The Chosen. And I don't mean, please don't throw anything at me. I hear, I just, with my busy life and schedule, it's just kind of hard sometimes. It's on my watch list. But they were telling me that this story was done very, very well in that series. And, and I need to go and find it. But, but I want you to picture this lady, okay? We don't, we're not sure how old she was. But I promise you, after 12 years of hemorrhaging, She's not the picture of perfect health. This lady is probably weak and fragile. And so I want you to picture this woman pressing through the crowd to get to Jesus. Because in her mind, she said, all I need to do is touch the hem of his garment. And so her plan was, I'm going to push through, I'm going to touch Jesus, and then I'm going to slip out without anybody knowing. Cowardly? Eh, maybe, but at the same time, consider what's going on with this lady, how she exhibits great faith in, the, in spite of fear. See, she's exhibiting what most of us will when we battle with chronic illness. She has faith, but she has fear. Faith says, if I can just get to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment, I'll be well. Fear says, you spent everything that you have. You've tried every remedy under the sun and nothing's worked. What makes this different? So there's that struggle that we all have. Do I pray about it? Do I ask somebody to pray about it? I mean, I've prayed before and it just seems like nothing worked. You see that they're juxtaposed against each other. You see how the conflict is. Do I do it? Do I not? And yet, to her credit, she overcomes her fear. I mean, again, we can't lose sight of the fact that her faith drove her to overcome her fear. And so just picture this little lady pushing through the crowd to get out, reaching that that arm that probably trembles from a lack of strength. If I can just just touch the hem of his garment. When she touched him, Jesus immediately stopped. I love this. And he asked the question, who touched me? And now the disciples, of course, are standing there, and I, I like to picture them scratching their head like, what are you talking about, Jesus? I mean, don't you see? We got all these people around us. They're thronging you. They're all reaching out, touching you. He said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me. It's different. 
It's different. Jesus said, this touch was different. When they touched me, virtue or power went out from me. And, of course, we know the rest of the story. When Jesus said, who touched me? This lady, again, I can picture her now. She's not that feeble, frail lady that was pushing through the crowd. Now she's restored, and she presents herself, and it's me. I touched you. And then notice what Jesus said in verse 34. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Now, that's powerful because sickness had ravaged her body. Sickness had stolen her identity. She was no longer Mary. She was no longer Abigail or Martha. She was an issue of blood, a hemorrhaging of blood. But now Jesus says, daughter. Picture that. She had not heard those compassionate, loving words from anybody for 12 years. Everybody had to listen to her say, don't come near me, I'm unclean. I'm not worthy. And yet Jesus says, daughter, a term of endearment, a term of affection, a term of belonging, daughter. Man, if that don't make you tear up a little bit, how, how, how we live in a world that's filled with hurting people that are identified, well, she's a druggie, he's an alcoholic, and that's all people know them as. And Jesus said, daughter, <laughs> gave her identity back, called her something meaningful, restored her dignity, restored her joy, restored her hope. She was no longer an issue of blood. She now was a daughter of the Messiah. Said, your faith has healed you. Now she's part of the community again. He said, go in peace and be, be freed from your suffering." What a beautiful story. This lady is healed, and all, of that, all that sickness had taken from her is now restored. She came with her needs. She reached out and touched Jesus, and, he, and she touched him. She's whole, she's healed, and she's well. I tell you that because Hebrews 4.15 tells us in the King James Version, it says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. What does that mean? It means that my, my, my hurts, my sickness, my disease, he's touched by it. He's moved. You Have you ever pictured God? And, and again, I've, I've, I've been, I struggle. You ever pictured God just sitting up there? It's kind of like Job again. I go back to Job often because Job, again, 37 chapters, just like, God, where are you? I don't understand. You ever thought God just sitting up there looking at you, watching you suffer and it not move him? It's not what the Bible says. He's been touched by the feeling of our infirmities. When you hurt, he hurts. When you weep, he sees. He bottles up those tears. He sees your sickness. We don't understand. Listen, I don't understand why some people are healed today and some people aren't. That's not a decision that I'm privy to make. But it doesn't stop me believing that he's a healer. This means that our, our infirmities, our sickness, our diseases, it moves him. Uh, Jesus, our high priest, is filled with compassion and he's moved by tender concern over the afflictions that you and I have today. Listen, please understand, of all the great doctrines of the Bible, divine healing is one of them. Of all the great, uh, all the great doctrines that we find in Scripture, divine healing is one of them. When I was a kid growing up, I was part of the Royal Ranger program that we used to have back in the day. And the Royal Rangers, they had, 
they had an emblem that had four eight excuse me eight blue points. Then you had four gold points and four red points. And the four red points stand for the four cardinal doctrines of the church: salvation, Holy Spirit, healing and rapture. Divine healing is a core doctrine of the Bible, and it is a core doctrine of the church. Now listen, I understand there are some today that teach that miracles of healing no longer happen in our day, but I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. I still believe in the healing Jesus. I think, it's, uh, I think Brenda Phillips used to sing a song, What a Healing Jesus We Have, years ago. Listen, I believe the divine, divine healing is for every generation who call on God with prayers of faith. Jesus taught right before he ascended in Mark chapter 16. Listen to what he said. He said, and these signs shall follow them who believe in my name. Notice that. Not in the name of their ministry. Quit traveling all over creation seeking for, in my name. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's his words, not mine. The fact that God is our healer is a fundamental truth of God's word. In fact, God revealed himself in Exodus chapter 15 as our healer, Jehovah Rapha. He said, I am the Lord who heals you. The Gospels are filled with 41 distinctive miracles of physical and mental healing. 41. You say, well, that's not a lot for the Gospels. Well, but we are told that there are many other things that Jesus did that were not written down. Even John said even the world itself could not contain <coughs> the volumes of what he did. You know, once Jesus stood in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4, Verse 18, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. When John the Baptist was in prison, I mentioned him last week, when he had his crisis of faith there for a moment, he sent his disciples to Jesus and said, hey, are you the one? Or do we look for another? What did Jesus, remember what Jesus did? He said, he said to his disciples, you go back and tell John what you have seen and what you have heard. What is he doing? He's validating Luke chapter 4, verse 18. See, the Messiah was to come with miracles, the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. And so he said, you go back and you tell John that you've seen the signs that I am he. You let him know. I mean, you think about it. He was affirming he was affirming that he was the Messiah as foretold in the Old Testament, just in Mark's gospel alone. I mean, we could, we could spend a lot of time in the gospels, but just in his own gospel, we find Jesus healing and delivering all who were sick and oppressed. In chapter 1, we find Jesus, he, what did he do? He delivered a demon-possessed man. He healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. He healed multitudes of various diseases. He delivered many... Uh, from demons, and he cleansed a leper. Mark chapter 2, he healed a man with palsy. Mark chapter 3, he healed a man with a withered hand, and he healed multitudes yet again. Mark chapter 5, he delivered a man who was demon-possessed. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, and in our story, he healed the woman with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 6, the Bible says he healed a few folks. I, I think that's comical. A few. He healed them, a few folks, and then he healed many again. Mark chapter 7, he delivered a girl of demons. He healed deaf and dumb people. 
uh, or deaf and dumb man. Mark chapter 8, he opened the eyes of a blind man. In chapter 10, he healed blind Bartimaeus. I mean, this is just in Mark's gospel. I mean, this is a sampling. It doesn't talk about his cleansing of the ten lepers, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, the restoring of sight of the man that had been born blind. It doesn't talk about him reattaching Malchus's ear that Peter cut off in the Garden of Gethsemane. What I'm telling you is that Jesus was a healer. His ministry was marked by healing miracles wherever he went. Wherever Jesus went, he was always doing good. He was always healing people, raising the sick, uh, or excuse me, healing the sick, raising the dead, doing all of these things because that's who he is. Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Amen. It's a good place to do that. Why did we stop believing that? Why did we stop believing that? Why did we stop believing that he's our healer today? Again, Jesus took upon himself the pain and the afflictions that we were to bear, and he bore them in our place. Sickness and disease are these conjoined twins that are designed to destroy us. Salvation and healing are joined twins to redeem us and to heal us. Matthew chapter 8 Here's what it says, verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took upon himself our infirmities and he carried our diseases. He did it for us. Psalm 103, one of my favorite Psalms, verses 1 through 4, he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of our sins, he heals all of our diseases. He restores, he redeems our life from the pit, okay? He crowns us with love and compassion. Those are the benefits. Listen, when you get a job today, people today say, well, what's my benefit package? Well, let me tell you, if you, if you choose to follow Jesus, you have benefits. He forgives you of your sin. He heals you of your sicknesses. He restores your health. He gives you promises of a future in heaven. James one time asked this or made this statement. He asked the question in chapter 5. He says, is there any sick among you? Remember that? Is there any sick among you? He said, then call the elders of the church. Pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Again, not a name of a national ministry, the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. Therefore, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, so that you will be healed. Listen, the idea expressed here, and I'm going to wrap this up because I want us to pray. I tried to keep this short. I just feel to preach on, but I'm going, to, I'm going to do my best. The idea expressed here is a complete and thorough healing. That's what James means. James 5.16, I love it in the message, paraphrase. Here's what it, listen to what it says. Believing prayer will heal you, and Jesus will put you back on your feet. And if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. Isn't that good? Do I believe that he's a healer? Absolutely, with every fiber of my being. I've been praying for my wife to be healed for 12 years, almost 12 years. Will she be healed in this life? I don't know. But it doesn't deter me from believing that he's still a healer. Listen, my 30 years of ministry here, we've seen cancers disappear. We've seen God do incredible things. 
I pray for my wife, I believe. But I don't know what God has in store. I, I mentioned this in the early service. My mother died on April the 14th, 1995. Growing up, I didn't have a, most of you know my story, I didn't have a really good relationship with my mom. I ran away from home when I was 17, a junior in high school. I didn't have a great relationship. A couple years before she passed away, we reconciled, and I really had, you know, we were building a good relationship. And I was looking forward to spending time with my mom and having, having that mom that I'd missed so much of in my life to be there. And then my mom gets sick and she dies. And I was frustrated. Anybody ever been, you know, know what I'm talking about? I was frustrated. And I'm like, God, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I prayed for my mom to be, to be healed. You know how much I, I, I missed having my mom as a kid growing up. You, you, understand, you know. I mean, why, why would you, again, I'm, why would you do that? And the Lord affirmed to me, and for a lot of people this is a cop-out, but to me it made total sense. The Lord just kind of reminded me, Mike, son, I gave her the best healing she'll ever have. You see, because she went to a place, when she breathed her last on that Saturday evening, she went to a place where she was totally restored. Her body that had been ravaged with, with cancer was now restored and glorified. She was there, well, in a place where there's no more sickness and there's no more dying and there's no more crying and there's not, none of that stuff. There's no funeral homes and there's no urgent care clinics and there's no doctors and special. There's none of that up there. Tammy, we, we won't be needing nurses up there. <laughs> we'll need them. We won't need funeral homes or directors and ambulances and none of that. And I thought, you know, I'm okay. I look at my wife every day, and I don't know what God's plans for her. You know, praying for her, I, I continue, and I appreciate your prayers as well. I don't know what God's plans are. I believe, I believe every fire of my being that, one, that God could just touch her and instantly, those joints and those bones that have contorted and uh, what they call that, contracted, those things can, you know, I, I, I think about the Hulk, you know. I mean, I'll, I, I just picture, you know, when God touches her, that you know, pop in and, you know, just, could he do it? I mean, I don't want her to turn into a Hulk. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> it scare me to death, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> she already cracks a pretty good whip. I don't need that. <laughs> but I believe it. I really do. But if he chooses not to and she passes from this life, I still have hope of a place where, where she won't be wheelchair-bound anymore, that she, she won't have episodes anymore, that she'll be well and she'll be whole. I believe that he heals now, but if he doesn't heal now, then in that place that he's gone to prepare for us, it's a place where there's no sickness or disease. I believe this morning. What I'm saying this morning, if you're here and you're sick and you're battling with a, a chronic illness, don't stop believing in God's ability to heal. As long as I have breath to breathe, I'll pray in Jesus' name and believe that he can raise her up. As long as I have strength and as long as words can come out of my mouth, I'll still believe that what he said, by my stripes you were healed, that I sent my word and I healed. I still believe that and I will till I go to the grave. Don't stop believing, friend. I wish I had the answers again to why some people... Guys, come on back as I wrap this up. I still wish I had the answers to why some people are healed and some people aren't I don't know I don't know but you know what I'll leave that to one wiser than I I got to thinking about my mom 
And I thought, you know, if he had healed her of that particular issue, maybe there was something down the road that would have been 10 times worse. Maybe it was a very, an, an act of mercy. Maybe it was an act of grace to take her on because I know where she went. I know that's hard for a lot of people to wrap their brain around, but you know, I'm at a place in my life now where I totally trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. He will illuminate your steps. I don't understand it. I can't make sense of it. But you know, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. What I would say to you today is I know the peace speaker. And if you're tossed about on that, the tumultuous sea of sickness and disease, you know, and again, it's chronic. It steals your identity. It steals your joy. It steals your plans, your futures. It kills all of those things. I promise you, I still believe that he's able to touch you today. I still believe it. But here's what I would say. Even, but if not, like those three Hebrew children, boy, I want to meet those guys. Those three Hebrew men that threw, stood there in that defiance of that king and said, you know what, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not bow down. Will not serve you? The one that we serve is able. But even if he doesn't, we'll not bow. See, my prayer is, God, give me the tenacity of those boys. Give me that resolve that God, no matter what happens, if I... My, my wife, she starts uh, pretty aggressive therapy month to, a week from tomorrow. And so she wanted to go visit with her mom this week. And so I, I took her over on Friday to be with her mom. And so she'll be there for the next few days. And I thought, you know what? I'm at peace. If I get a phone call, God forbid, but if I get a phone call that says, you know, Sheila, she's not here anymore. It is well with my soul. Because I know in whom I have believed in and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. What a healing Jesus we have. If you're sick, infirmed, afflicted, Jesus is our healer. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want you to stand with me. We're going to do what James tells us to do. And what I want to do, if you're here today and you want somebody to anoint you and pray with you, that, that's just how I'm going to frame it right there. You want somebody to anoint you and pray for you. Then I want you to step out, whether you're in the balcony or the main floor, wherever you may be. I want you to step out and come. And I want a line. Let's make a line right across the building here. Just, just, and then once they get here, then I'm going to ask for prayer partners to come. So just for a moment, I'm going to ask you to come if you want somebody to pray with you. You want to be anointed and prayed for. You, you know what? I, I've talked a lot about physical, about physical healing. But you know what? There is a thing called mental, mental healing, emotional healing. You know, there are people that are suffering from wounds that have emotional damage from things that have been done to them, things that have been said to them. He can heal that too. He can heal that too. He can put you in a right mind. You need healing for anything. I want you to come. We're going to stand right here and believe. Listen, God, I'm going to honor you at your word today.
as you get here, again, I'm going to ask, we'll let everybody get in place, and then I'm going to ask, I'm, I'm, going, to need, I'm going to need prayer partners to join us today. I'll come by and I'm going to anoint everybody here. I'm going to take the time and I'm going to anoint everybody here that's down here this morning. So if you can make sure you're in a single file line so we can have the prayer partners right behind you, okay? The rest of you, again, I'm going to ask some of you guys to come on down and join us for prayer. And then I'm going to ask you guys to lead and sing. And, and, And if you're still in your seat, I'm going to ask you to stretch your hand towards these down here, down front this morning. I want us to cover each one with prayer today. I want us to believe. Pray prayers of faith and believe that God will heal. Go ahead. Thank you. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from this well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open. Precious blood of Jesus
lift your hand up to him this morning would you just take a moment Lord we thank you today Lord we believe we believe that you who began a good work will be faithful and complete it by faith Lord we reach out and we grab hold of the hem of your garment Lord by faith we grab hold of the promises of God which are yea and amen by faith this morning we stand on the promises of God Lord that promise that said I sent my word and I yield Lord may there be testimonies that flow from this service today because God we believe the healers in the house today may we walk out of here in health may we walk out in wellness and wholeness just like this lady did and may we hear the call once again, daughter or son. Call us by who we are to you. Lord, we're not defined by our disease or by our illness. We're defined by our relationship with you. Now may we walk in that health and that wholeness as we go out of here today. I love and I bless each one out in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much.
Except for this heart singing, oh. 